Uh, Would you turn to Hebrews 6? Hebrews 6. For some weeks now we've been on the subject of diligence diligence, and no need to quit now. (laughs) We're in the middle of it. And uh, God's given us revelation on this. And the Word of God is feeding us. If you're weak in an area, you need to be fed in that area. Don't you? Everybody is strong or weak in different areas of their life. You might be real strong in healing and be weak in uh, prosperity. You know, you might be strong on uh, protection, but be weak in uh, faith to be led by the Spirit. And everybody needs to be fed. And some areas you need to be fed more in. Well, as pastors and leaders, we just have to look to the Lord to see what is more important to be fed on now and uh, what to do later. I mean, you can't just teach on one subject uh, all the time in church. You'd miss it. People will wind up, you know, just with one thing and being anemic in other areas and deficient. And so we have to be led. And the Lord helps us, doesn't he? And if you look back, you can see at different times when the Lord taught us, I didn't know it when we started out, so don't give me the credit for it. But uh, as we went into the next phases or next months or next years, you can look back and go, man, that was what we needed, you know, to get us ready for that next thing. Well, the Lord knew, and he always knows. And with me and with you, if we'll follow him, we'll always be at the right place, at the right time, with the right word and the right provision. Thank God. Well, Hebrews 6 and verse 10 says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Does God remember the work we do? And the labor we do, particularly the work we do that affects people and ministers to and helps our brothers and sisters in Christ. Scripture says he does not forget it. Is work good? Work is God's idea. He works. Bible talks about the works of God in creation. It said, you know, he created everything and then the seventh day he rested from his His work, work. So you and I should be a big fan of work as well. I mean, if God works, why would you think you could lay around? (laughs) Verse 11, and we desire that every one of you, how many of us? Every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Now let's just back up the same diligence of what? Well, this work and labor that he mentioned in verse 10, that you stay with that diligently, not just doing it, you know, as drudgery, but with an expectation, full assurance. That's faith. And, uh, Hope is expectation. And how long you do it? Till it's done. 
till the end. So he says, work at it, labor at it, stay expectant, stay fully persuaded, and stay with it till it's done, till the end. Verse 12, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The NIV says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Romans 12, 11, don't, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 12, 11 tells us to not be slothful in our business, but to be fervent in the spirit. One definition brings out, be red hot. <laughs> fervent. In spirit, serving the Lord. How many know what the Lord said about lukewarmness? He is not a big fan of lukewarmness. Did he say that he'd rather you be cold or hot? Surely he wouldn't rather you be cold than lukewarm. Well, he said he would. So, well, you know, some heat's better than no heat. Nah, there's something about half-heartedness that the Lord despises. Because it shows heart problems. Playing with it. Messing around with it. What does that mean? means your heart is not in it. You and I cannot achieve perfection of intellect. In this lifetime. We cannot achieve perfection of uh, spiritualities. Perfection of knowledge. Perfection of understanding or wisdom. We'll always be growing till the day we leave here. We'll be learning, right? But we can have perfection of heart. Every day and night of our lives. And you don't have to wait till tomorrow. You can be perfect in heart right now. Right now. Now that's a whole other message and teaching. But if you look up the word perfect. And particularly when you see it with perfect and heart. You'll see that it literally means whole hearted. Whole hearted. Which is what he's talking about. Hot. Would that you be cold or hot. Well what would be his perfect will for you. Hot. Hot, wholehearted, hot, completely committed. Somebody say completely committed. Because uh, anything less reveals a lack of love for God. Selah. I said anything less reveals a lack of love for God. Now, how would people know whether you are absolutely wholehearted or not? Well, that could be a challenge. We might not know if you're giving it 80% or 65 or if you're giving it 92% or 100 We might not know. But there is somebody who does. God knows Whether it's a hundred percent or not. And he knows it every day. And he knows it every night. 
Doesn't he? And it matters to him that we are not slothful, but that we are fervent. You know, a lot of times when people get born again, first get saved, they're full of zeal, but not much knowledge. They don't know anything, but they just love God. They want to do it all and do it right now. And that's good. That, you know, not good that you don't have knowledge, but it's good that you got that fervency and you're not supposed to lose that because you've been in the way for 20 years. You're not supposed to cool off because you learn a few things. We're still supposed to be stirred up. We're still supposed to be wide open throttle. 100%. Let's do it. Let's do it all. Let's go take the land. Take it all now. God's with us. Let's do it. It pleases the Lord when we're this way. And it's unacceptable to him when we drag around, maul around, and say, well, Jesus is coming soon. We'll just try to hold fast till he comes. There is a lot of slothfulness in the world, isn't there? And I don't need to point to you. You don't need to point to me. We don't need to judge anybody. But you and me have been slothful somewhere sometime. Maybe there's areas we've been 100% and we've been fervent and we've been diligent But there's other areas we hadn't been. And the Lord will help us to come up. Won't he? And this will help us tonight. And these services and these teachings. Because where does our faith come from? It comes from the word of God. Our strength and our life comes from these words. While we're preaching and teaching on these things. And reading these things to you. It's not just sounds bouncing off your eardrums. There's life in these words. And they get into your spirit. And they change your thinking and they change your mind and your soul. And you might not see it all in a week or two. You can see changes immediately. But over the course of time, you can just become a different person. Just a different person than what you used to be. And where you once were lax and slothful, you can become diligent and excellent. In the Lord. Somebody say, I believe it. I believe it. What is diligence? We gave you some definitions of the word. Let me remind you of them. If you look up the Hebrew and the Greek words that are translated this, to be diligent means to be vehement, to be earnest, to be fervent. That's what we were talking about. It also means to be eager and determined. You ever seen those racehorses at the gate? What are they waiting on? Oh, man, you talk about chomping at the bit. They want that gate to open. Well, that's the way you and I need to be when it comes to serving the Lord. Just show us what to do, Lord. Just point us in the right direction. Just show us what to do. It also means to be prompt. It means to do things at dawn and early, to do things with speed. Speed and promptness. 
On the other hand, the opposite, he said, we don't want you to be slothful. To be slothful means to lean idly. Paints a picture, doesn't it? To lean. Don't even want to hold up your own weight. (laughs) And you're leaning doing what? Idly. Nothing. And it means to be indolent or to be slack. To be remiss. To be tardy. Somebody say tardy. That's the same as being late. And why again and again are people late? Once in a great while, people have a good reason for being late. Once in a great while. (laughs) But usually, why are people late? Lack of diligence. Not doing what they should have been doing as early as they should have been doing it. Or doing a bunch of other stuff while they should have been doing this. But it boils down to a lack of diligence. And when you're not on time and you're late, time after time after time, you need to make some changes. (laughs) Boy, I could meddle right here. (laughs) When it's time to get ready, it's not time to clean house. When it's time to pack, it's not time to watch TV. Are y'all with me now? When it's time to hit the road, it's not time to eat. (laughs) And if you're getting ready, or almost ready, you're not ready. (laughs) Now, you know, people laugh, some folks laugh about it, some people don't think it's funny at all. (laughs) And some people say, well, hey, it's my business. It's my business. You live like you want to, we'll live like we want to. Well, it's costing you, and you don't even realize it. You don't even know what you have missed by living a lax, persistently late, tardy lifestyle. I know uh, just watching people like, you know, I've served with Brother Kenneth Hagin and and Phyllis did with Miss Aretha and, and serving with other people over the years and then people helping us over the years. I watched while other people that were talented and gifted didn't get used because every time you called on them, it took them a day to get ready. People that didn't get to go on trips because leaders knew if they called them, it's going to take them half a day to even show up. And even if it didn't you know, take them a long time, it just overwhelmed them. They were just frazzled. Oh, well, I can't go. You've got to give me enough time to do this and to do that. And, well, if you're upset, we don't need you along for spiritual work. Amen. Did you get this? Yes, and uh, we've seen it again and again and again. The Lord, thank God, he taught us early about this. And I think it's one reason that we got used and got used a lot. Because they'd call us for stuff. And it didn't matter what we had on our desk. It didn't matter what was going on. Can you, you know, meet us an X amount of time to go out of town to go do this? Well, the Lord had already given us a directive. And see, this is where he keeps things right. 
The reason why, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but the reason why so many times people are not diligent is because their priorities are not right. First things are not first. And the Lord had already dealt with me years before we got to the point I'm talking about now and serving them. He told me, help Brother Hagin. Well, that's my ministry. Yeah, I'm called to preach. Yeah, I got an anointing to minister the word, but that's my call to help him. And so we had other things going on, but when that came up, set it aside, get to it later. Let's go. There are numerous times you got called at the last minute and man, you had to be packed and ready to go and be somewhere in an hour or two. Well, if you can't handle that, God just can't use you in certain things. He's limited in how he can use you. And a lot of times people don't like to think about that. But are you limiting God in how he can use you by your stubbornness and being set in your ways? Well, I have to eat at these certain times. And I have to have my three meals. And, and I've got to have my eight hours of sleep. And, and i got to sleep in my bed. And i got to do. You have limited God big time as to how he can use you. When and where. You're not asking him. You're telling him. What you got to have. And how you've got to operate. Talking to you from experience now. What does the scripture say? Be instant. In season. And out of season. What does out of season mean? (laughs) What's out of season? Out of season is when you go, huh? (laughs) Now? In 30 minutes? (laughs) Where? (laughs) Not convenient. Other stuff's going on. It's just, it's out of season. But you need to be ready then as well as in season. You may have to miss a nail appointment. (laughs) You may not get to fish. (laughs) or golf that doesn't mean you would never get to but not now are you with me now I wish it weren't this way but you just got so many people that are not being used to the degree they should be and could be and some of them get mad about it and they get upset about it not realizing the last three times they were called they were too busy doing something else not realizing last couple of times they were involved in something they were late and they drug around and it took them twice as long to get it done why because they're doing other stuff that's more of a priority in their life And that is a failure to be diligent. In order to be diligent, you got to have your priorities right. You got to know what's first and when to lay everything else aside and do that. So, like I said, I was getting ahead of myself just a little bit, but let's ask the question and catch back up. The question came to my mind concerning these things is if this is important, and we're going to see later on if the Lord continues to lead us this way, about the rewards of diligence. There are great rewards. We've already read some scriptures that talk about the diligent will be rich. It's about financial and materially. The diligent will be made rich. 
I was reading today about in Proverbs where it talks about the worker. It says, do you see a man diligent in his field or in his work? He will not stand or work for insignificant, obscure people. He will work for kings. He will stand in front of kings if you're diligent at what you do. Why? Because if you're diligent at what you do, you're going to get good at what you do. And you're going to become skilled at what you do. But you will not become skilled without being diligent. Diligent, skilled, well-known, rich. That's what the Bible says. Your services, your skill will become in greater and greater demand. Because no, you know, I shouldn't say nobody, very few do it as well as you, as quickly as you. And everybody wants it to be done perfect and right now. And not many people deliver on any of that. And you get to where you can or even get close, you're going to be in huge demand and be paid top dollar. Well, just touching the edge of that, the rich rewards of being diligent. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. How many like to get in on some more of that God reward? Well, if that's true and people know about it, why aren't more people diligent? Why aren't people diligent? Well, I thought of four answers right away. Things we've already looked at, things we're about to look at. One we've just got through saying, one reason why people, many are not diligent, which, in, and of course, you know, you are a people. <laughs> we're not just talking about somebody who's not here. I says, well, I ain't lazy. I'm a hardworking man. There are places where you have been lazy. Hmm? You might, I mean, you might be a hardworking dude. You might sling a sledgehammer half a day at a time, but you might be lazy reading your Bible. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, this applies to us somewhere. Uh, why aren't people diligent? We've already touched on one of them. Priorities. Somebody say priorities. Priorities. People are not diligent because their priorities are not right. Secondly, and these things go together. Secondly, playing. Playing. And connected with playing can be sin. How many know that when it's time to work, it's not time to play? But if nobody's making you do it, you can yield to the flesh and play when you should be working. And in our society, where more people have uh, gotten more discretionary time, you see more and more of this. That's one reason why uh, so many people are overweight. You know, a few uh, decades ago, centuries ago, Man, you had to get up and hustle just to eat. You had to work physical labor. Most everybody did just to eat. But that's changed. And uh, a lot of people can, if you want to, you can play when you should be working. And, of course, that's going to affect you. But in doing so, you can get into sin as well. 
And both of these lead to the third one here I'm going to talk about. They make you puny in spirit. Weak in spirit. It takes strength of spirit to be diligent. Doesn't it? Why are many people not diligent? Because they are just tired. All the time. They just don't feel like doing anything. So they just sit back down and watch some more TV. Just don't, I mean, the dishes pile up in the sink because you just don't feel like washing them right now. And the garbage is stinking because you just don't feel like getting up and taking it out right now. And you, it's not that you're not going to do it. two of the devil's favorite words not now not now if he can't get you to just say you won't do it then this is his fallback position (laughs) not now (laughs) you're not going to say you're not going to read your bible just not now but then tomorrow, you can do it again. We're going to do it, just not now. We haven't quit going to church. We ain't been in a month, but we're just not going today. <laughs> I think we'd be shocked to know the number of people that say Faith Life Church is their church, but they only go three or four times a year. Well, what's keeping them away? (laughs) Priorities and playing when it's time to do something else. And as a result of that, if your priorities are wrong, you're not getting fed on the word. You're not doing what you should be doing. You're feeding on junk. You're wasting your energies on stuff that doesn't matter. You're going to get weak. I said you're going to get weak. And the devil's counting on this. The devil is a predator. I said he's a predator. The Bible uses, you know, key predators to describe him like wolf and lion. Well, predators, one of their favorite practices is picking off the weak. You don't have to run as hard. And use as much strength to pull down. I mean, you know, uh, why go for the biggest buck in the pack with all those big antlers and strength when you can pick off the little weak one on the end and do it easily? Well, the enemy waits for this. Did you know, I mean, your own immune system is kind of like this. Did you know there's probably enough stuff in your body right now to kill you ten times over? But your immune system, thank the Lord, is protecting you and keeping you. But a lot of this stuff just kind of lurks in places in your body, laying there until and if you get weak enough that it can take you out. Or begin to thrive. That's the way the enemy is. He just kind of laying waiting for you to get weak enough. 
that he can pounce on you with stuff and overwhelm you and try to take you out. But if you're smart and I'm smart, we'll keep him waiting. I said we'll keep him waiting and just not get weak like that. How do you get strong in the Lord? Well, you got to feed your spirit regularly on the Word of God. And you got to be nourished up in the words of faith. You need to go somewhere where you're hearing faith, not doubt and unbelief. Hearing what you are and what you can do and what you have, not it's all passed away and you can't do it anymore. And you need to exercise. You need to be diligent to do what you know to do. And as you're using your faith, as you're exercising being led, exercising walking in love and these things and feeding, you're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and just keep the devil waiting. Just keep him waiting. Keep him waiting till you're out of here. And go, oops, too late. <laughs> Because he looks for opportunities, doesn't he? And the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. So I'm giving you right now four reasons. I didn't say these are the only four. I didn't say these are the four. I just said four. Four reasons why people are not diligent. Have you got the first three? What First one is priorities are not right. Secondly, playing. When you're supposed to be working. There's a time to play. And there's a time not to play. And we, we know it in our own spirit. If we'll be honest with ourselves. We know it. it's not time to do this. Doesn't mean it's wrong to play. It's just not time now. And then thirdly. Puny. Another way of saying weak. That you know. How many people have that. Don't raise your hand now. <laughs> I missed all might in the world. Have that tired feeling. All the time, they're just tired, just tired, don't feel like doing anything. I've noticed in my life, the stronger I get spiritually, the more energetic I become. I mean, I'll just get up and think, you know, if I'm stronger in my spirit than I've been the last few days, I'll think, man, let's clean all this up, reorganize all this, let's do this, let's do that. I mean, you got energy. Where's that coming from? It's your spirit. I said, it's your spirit. And when you get to where, ah, let's don't do it today, I don't feel like it, you're not just weak in your body, you're weak in your spirit. And that's a problem. And you keep going that way, well, you'll just get more and more lazy and more and more lax and let stuff go and let stuff go. And it's also the path into sin. Because the more you yield to the flesh, the more you want to yield to the flesh. And eventually you're okay with letting that go and you're okay with letting this go. And well, we can let that go too. Tolerance is the first step toward conformity. You allow it. Next thing, you just took a step toward becoming that. Oh, you're not doing it, but you allow it. You let it go. Now, uh, the fourth one, and this is the one I wanted to focus on some extra tonight. Many are not diligent because of pride. P-R-I-D-E. Pride. Uh, well, you might have difficulty finding it, but if you can find it quickly, go to Obadiah. Obadiah 3. Just one chapter in Obadiah. 
This is a, a great truth to understand about pride. If you get this locked in your thinking understanding, it'll help you on things all through life. It says, this is the first phrase of verse 3 of Obadiah, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Read that out loud. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Pride and deception go hand in hand. Pride and believing lies are tied together. Well, what about humility then? Humility and truth are tied together. Or you could say it like this. Humility and reality. Reality. Pride believes lies. Humility knows the truth. It's not a matter of trying to be humble. A lot of folk think being humble is not accepting the accolades that you really deserve. Hmm? People think, you know, well, and actually there are a number of people that are proud of how humble they are. (laughs) Now you laugh, but I'm serious. They're quite proud of how humble they are. And you know, you've heard me say it before if you've been around, but let me reiterate it. We ought not use the phrase, I'm proud of you. Now a lot of folk don't like that when you say that and they go, well, that's. That means something to me. I'm proud of my boy. I'm proud of my girl. I'm proud. Like I said, you should not say that. What scripture is that based on? When God the Father spoke from heaven and Jesus has been baptized in the river Jordan and he comes up and the Holy Ghost descends on him in a bodily shape and form as a dove. Can you tell that the Father's heart is full concerning His love for Jesus? And how that Jesus has done well. He's lived His life clean and pure. And He's obeyed every day. And now He's able to walk in this full anointing. And He's able to endure this temptation and pass every test. And able to go and do the job that he's sitting down there to do. And what does the father say? This is my son and I'm proud of him. No. No. Replace that word with pleased. Pride is a bad thing. There is no such thing as a good pride. Now I know to some folk that they think you're cussing them when you say that. But listen, don't take my word for it. Search the scriptures. People say, well, we're poor, but we're proud. Well, God will deliver you from both of those conditions. <laughs> and it is true. Some of the proudest people on the planet are some of the poorest. It's not based on what you got. But friends... Pride is the nature of the devil. It's the nature of the devil. There is no such thing as a good pride. Now if that sounds new to you, don't take my word for it, but don't throw it away. Get in the scriptures. Search it out. See, let your mind get renewed so that you think like the Lord. (laughs) We need some help in this area, Lord. 
<laughs> well, I'm proud of my boy. I don't care what you say. It ain't what I said. Let's examine it. I'm proud of my boy. Do you know what the bulk of that is? Is your pride that he's your boy. I'm proud of my boy. And pride so often is manifested. No, no, no. You might talk about me, but you don't talk about my boy that way. You, not my girl. See, it's so much of it is you. You acting like it's them, but it's you. You can't express any deeper heart or any more God-like sentiment to your child than to say what God the Father said to His Son. You cannot improve on that. If you tell your son, you tell your daughter, daddy, mama is pleased with you, you have honored us, you have honored the family, and I'm well pleased with you. You can't say it any better. And the banter around the proud stuff, we proud, you proud, we all proud, (laughs) is to remain ignorant of the Bible. I say it again, there is no such thing as a good pride. Tell me what pride will do to your heart. It will deceive you. What is being deceived? Being deceived is believing lies. Believing that lies are true. That's what it is to be deceived. And pride will do that to you. And pride is, I'm telling you, friend, one of the biggest enemies you got in this life is your own pride. Oh, Lord. I wish I could tell you it was easy to get rid of all of it. (laughs) But uh, it's a challenge because it's part of you. And particularly if you hadn't been taught about these things. Then you've walked in pride for years and years and years and hadn't called it that. And hadn't seen it as something to be despised. And if you'll be open, the Lord will begin to put his finger on it. And it won't be comfortable. But you want him to do it. I said you want him to do it. Why? Because only the humble get the grace. The proud get resisted. God hates pride. I'm quoting scripture. Everybody say that out loud. God hates pride. Then how should you feel about it? The same way. And it's not for you to judge anybody else about their pride. But if you get really serious with God and you want to grow and you want to go further, then ask him to help you see your own pride. And be willing to do something with it. To lay it aside. How many would like to have more grace in this life? Tell me who gets it. The humble. Not the proud. God hates pride I have come to hate it too I despise it I despise it when I see it in me I detest it and it's been a lifelong quest of mine to get it out of me and I've asked the Lord help me to see it and year after year you know I might go a month or two but he'll show me a new thing I hadn't seen before (laughs) and go ah that is stinking pride that's all that is and you got to be willing to see it. you got to be willing to admit it. And I don't know about you, but in my own life, I've been doing this year after year after year. 
The Lord put his finger on it, and I go, Psh, mm, mm. <laughs> Lord, I repent. But you know, you're not going to resist it and deal with it until you see it. And then you call it what it is. Pride. But first of all, you got to decide you don't want any. You got to decide it's bad. <laughs> Pride is bad and you don't want any of it. Anybody want to grow in this area? Do you care about this? Say it out loud then, Father God. I understand. You hate pride. I also despise it. Show me in myself any pride that displeases you. Put your finger on it. Help me to see it. And by your grace, I'll resist it. I'll change and stop yielding to it. Amen. So be it. Now, if you're serious about that, he'll do it. And like I said, it's not comfortable. Some of the toughest situations I've been in my life is when that was happening. And oh man, your pride wanted to stand up and say stuff and quit and mouth off and demand its rights. And it's ugly. It's devilish. And you got to come to despise it. Well, that's a whole thing within itself. But we're talking about diligence. And this is one reason why a lot of people are not diligent like they should be. Just simply because of pride. And let me show you why. Turn with me. We saw Obadiah 3. But you go, if you would, to uh, Luke 10. Actually, go to Matthew 21. Then we'll go to Luke 10, I think. Matthew 21, Luke 10. Anybody remember the story, fable I guess would be a better word, of the tortoise and the hare? Anybody besides me got that when you were a little kid in school? I remember it. It was years ago. Tortoise and the hare. And uh, our teacher read it to us. And there were pictures, I remember. And uh, I remember feeling excited and anxious that uh, Tortoise should get up and go. <laughs> Anybody remember that? Anybody remember Tortoise and the Hare? Turtle and the Rabbit. Some folk don't know what we're talking about here. Once upon a time, there was a Tortoise Turtle. And a hare. Rabbit. <laughs> and the uh, animals in the woods were bragging about what they could do. And the uh, rabbit was bragging about how fast he was. And somebody suggested a race. And the turtle was fond of quoting about how that steady and consistency got results. But the rabbit was so impressed with himself and his speed. He was fast. 
fast. He held all the county records. He was a lean, mean, running machine. He was. And everybody knew that Turtle was slow. Everybody. And so it was a shock when he said, I'll race you. And so Rabbit laughed. He said, you got to be joking me. You're going to race me. I'm faster than all the rabbits. I'm so fast. I'm so fast. He said, well, put your feet where your mouth is. (laughs) You got talk and then you got doing. So they set up the race. And the rabbit bragged about how he didn't even have to try. Now here's the thing. He could beat this turtle on one foot. He beat this turtle. Give him half the course head start. He can beat this turtle. He can take a nap and beat this turtle. That's how fast he is. I can take a nap and beat this turtle. So they're off. And I mean the rabbit takes off and leaves the turtle in the smoke. He's out of sight. But it did not phase the turtle. (laughs) He said, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the whole field and track association. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can finish this race. I can win this race. Now that's big faith for a turtle. I mean that's faith. I can win this race. And the rabbit's already out of sight. A lot of turtles would have quit. (laughs) But not Freddy Faith Turtle. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Freddie just kept on, just kept on. And the rabbit, he sees he is so far ahead, he can't even see the turtle back there. And so he's boasting and bragging, I told you I'm fast. I told you I am fast, man. I'm, now you see me. Now you don't. I'm fast. I'm fast. I told you. Ain't no turtle going to take me. Let me tell you how fast I am. See that tree? I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to lay down here. I'm going to sleep. We read verses about sleeping and diligence, didn't we? How many know there's a time to sleep? And there's a time not to sleep. And when you run in a race, it's not time to sleep. But pride, pride says... I can take a nap and still beat him. I don't even have to try. I am so good. I am so fast. I don't even have to try. So, he lay down, started snoozing. You can hardly even see the turtle back there. And as he, I mean, he really dozed off to sleep. And as he's sleeping, man, this is a good nap. And so, 
He turned over on the other side. Slept for a few minutes. and Oh, man, this, this is a good nap. And all the time. Oh, Freddie. Faith turtle. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ. I can win this thing. I can win this thing. I can win this thing. Well, you know the story. That a wild rabbit is laying over there sleeping. Turtle caught up. And while he passed the rabbit, he said it real soft. I can do all things. (laughs) And he pulled ahead in the race. And he just kept on and he kept on and he kept on and he kept on. And the rabbit woke up and he thought, hmm, how was that turtle? I got to hit it and no, no, he's not up there. And he saw the turtle almost to the finish line. And so, man, he jumped and he poured it on and ran faster than he ever ran before. But before he could get to the line, Freddie <laughs> stuck his neck where? <laughs> And said, I told you, I told you. And won the race. Why? The pride of your heart does what? Now here's what we're talking about, a specific area it deceives you in. It deceives you that you don't even have to try. You are so skilled. You don't even have to practice. You have reached a level where other people are not. You're so knowledgeable that you don't have to really study like other people do. You can just wait till the last minute and just throw some clothes and be wonderful. Are y'all with me now? You don't have to work at it. Because you're so good. You're gifted. This is how so many fail in things they should excel in. They are graced to do it. They're gifted to do it. Rabbits are graced to run. But it matters not how fast you are. You can never reach your full potential without diligence. Now, see what people are doing. In fact, turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the uh, 10th chapter, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 10. This is what's going on. Paul said by the Spirit, verse 12 of chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We dare not. That's a strong way to say it. We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, or we might say each other, and comparing themselves among themselves or each other, are not wise. Not wise what? Comparing what I'm doing with what they're doing. 
When you compare yourself with what another individual has done or is doing, you still don't know anything about how well you're doing. What should you be measuring yourself against? Not against what they can do, but what I can do. And is there any way you can achieve your full potential without being diligent? See, where people get confused is they think, well, I can kind of half do it and I'm as good as they are. Hmm? Yeah, but you're not reaching your potential. There's no way you can reach your full potential without giving it your all. Come on, can you see that now? And if you compare yourself with somebody else, I mean, the rabbit's comparing himself to the turtle. And as a result, he thinks he's so advanced, he don't even have to try. And because he didn't try, he failed. And how many times that's been the case where people, they are smart, they are gifted, they have ability, but they get in pride. And get to thinking, they can do it without trying. And then next thing you know, they fail. Samson was a victim of this. Anybody remember? Samson was one tough hombre physically. And it wasn't just because he worked out. We don't know how big he was. He wouldn't have had to been that big. It wasn't his size. It was the power of God in his physical body. But he had so many victories. And it got to where he could just, you know, no matter what was going on, he'd just break it off and wipe everybody out. And so he's not even trying to live right. Oh, do you see this? Not even trying. He's supposed to be separated to God. A Nazarite from birth. He's supposed to live a holy, separated life. He's spending most of his time in brothels. Well, he's doing everything he can think of to do. And it seemed like for a while he was getting by with it. Because he could still jump up at the last minute and flex and the power was there. But how many understand? I don't care who you are. Nobody can operate at their full potential without diligence. Doing what you know to do. And one time he jumped up and what happened? Wasn't there. there. Yeah, but he's strong. Yeah, but not without God, you're not. Yeah, but I can do this. I'm good. Yeah, not without God. You'll jump up one time and you'll wait till the last minute and you'll try to do it and you will flop and you will fail. What should we do if we're honest and if we're humble? No matter what level our service may be on compared to somebody else, God knows our heart. He knows what we can do and what we can't. He knows if we're playing around with 50% or if we're really giving it all we got. And how can we ever reach the full call he's called us to without the diligence and without just doing everything we know and reaching out with everything we know? And it's a temptation. Every one of us have dealt with this, haven't we? You got your flesh 
And you learn how to do stuff. And after you've done things for a while, you think, well, I can do that, you know. And you'll be tempted to get lax and slack. But if you do, it's going to cost you. And if you do it long enough, it costs you big. Somebody say diligent is the only way. Do you have your place in, uh, where are you? Go to Luke 10. Thank you, Master. Do you despise pride? Do you? I mean, I detest it. I think we all should because God hates it. He said he did. I detest it. And it's that smugness and that I don't have to work at it. I'm good. I got it. I'll just wait and show up late and fake it till I make it. Goof off till it happens. And I just, I'm good. I can do it. I, you know, I can wait to the last minute and maybe I can all prepare, but it'll just all come together some way or another. And some people try to pass this off as faith. Hmm? Well, we're not going to work. We're not going to prepare. We're not going to study. We're not going to be diligent. We're just going to show up and believe God that it all works out. That's an excuse for being lazy. I had one older preacher said this one time, and it's not a scripture. They don't necessarily quote it like that, but he's talking. I was my beginning days of preaching and teaching in front of people and felt so inadequate and didn't know where to start. How do you get a message? <laughs> You're going to preach in a few hours. What do you say? What do you preach on? What do you do? And how do you get the message? And uh, this one older gentleman said this. He said, uh, prepare like you don't have the Holy Ghost. And then preach like you didn't even prepare. Talking about relying completely on the Holy Ghost. Like I said, I wouldn't quote that as a scripture. But do you know what he's talking about? Prepare. Hmm? With everything you know, everything you can do, but then when it gets time to do it, don't depend on your preparation. Depend on the Holy Spirit. Of course, you can't prepare properly without the Holy Spirit, but did you get the idea he's talking about? Where, you know, there's some whole camps that they don't even believe in study. They quote one half a verse that says, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. <laughs> and we just show up and God fills it and then they claim everything comes out of their mouth was God and hmm. we got to do what we know to do and do it the best we know how to do it do it with diligence and then having done all we know how to do now we don't depend on that we depend on God but think about this one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to bring what he said to your Remember, how are you going to remember something you never knew? Didn't the scripture say study? Study to show yourself approved. A workman that what? Rightly dividing the word of truth, the word of God. He talked about that you don't need to be ashamed. Well, see, so why would you be ashamed? Well, it didn't study. I don't care if you're studying uh, fourth grade arithmetic. You got a test coming up. How many understand you go, your faith's going to work better when you studied? Yeah. 
You got something to stand on. You did what you knew to do. You obeyed. You were diligent. Now you can go in with full faith. I've done what I know to do. Now I'm counting on the Lord. But if you didn't do what you knew to do, your heart's condemning you because you know you didn't. You can try to say you did, and you can try to fake other people and go, oh, yeah, you know, I, we practiced some, we did this. But you know how much you did and didn't do. And the Lord knows. Somebody say diligence. Notice this. This deals with a little bit different area, but it all goes together. Luke 10. Everybody stand up on your feet. Stand up. Lift up your hands. Praise the Lord for just a moment. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is life to us. It's light to us. It gives understanding to our minds. Thank you for working in us to will and do of all your good pleasure. Say this out loud. We receive the word of the Lord. And no condemnation. Much encouragement. Much strength strength. to serve God well, well. to obey fully, to to please Him well well. in all things. things. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Amen. Be seated again for a few moments. Luke 10. Does everybody need to prepare? Hmm? You notice people that are really, really good. We read about the verses. See a man diligent in his business. He'll not stand before unimportant people. He'll stand before kings. Notice people that are, I mean, the top athletes, the top musicians, the top people in a skill or a craft. I don't care if they've been doing it for 20, 30 years. They still practice like somebody trying to make the team. Like somebody trying to learn music. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've seen some people that are at that level in their field. And I'm telling you, you'd think, you know, I'm thinking about some musicians right now. And you think, well, man, these guys, everybody acknowledges they're one of the best around in that area. And they still, they'll practice half a day at a time. Why? Well, that's why they're where they are. Oh, can you see this? They could have been good compared to other people without half that work. But they'd have never been as good as they are. Or are y'all with me now? A lot of folk would have thought they were good. But they'd have known. And God knew. They're not as good as they're supposed to be. Because they're only doing a half effort. But through diligence they rise above the crowd. And come to a place where they're an inspiration for others to reach up to. I think this whole church could be that way. I said, I think this whole church could be this way. I was stirred in my spirit today that Faith Life Church can be an example, just one, an example of what a strong church can be in a small town. Because we've had people tell us when we first came, oh, no, you can't have a large church in a small town like that. You can't. We had people try to talk us out of it. But how many think it would be good if the Lord increased us, not just in numbers, but in power and influence and in every way. And
And you got some brother or sister over here starting to work in another town that's about the same size as that. And the devil's telling them they can't have over 20 people. And they think, well, hey, they did over there at Branson. If we, if God helps us to reach all that we can be in him, would it be an inspiration and a help to others? Help them to not believe lies. That they can do more than what they're doing. They can reach further. All things are possible. To him or her that believes. But unless we reach all the way. We won't have the full influence. Anybody can stop anywhere along the way. Can't they? It takes diligence. It takes effort. You got to get up in the morning. If you got something in your heart. The scripture says deep calls under deep. If you got something in you that keeps telling you. You can have more. You can do more. You can reach further. It wouldn't be in you if it wasn't attainable. The reason your heart's crying out for it is because it's there. God would not torment us with something that was beyond us. Would he? Wouldn't put something in our heart that we could not attain and could not reach. He's a good God. In fact, he is always able to do exceeding abundantly above everything we ever asked or thought. So if there's something in us stirring, going, we can have more. We can do more. We can reach further. We can be bigger. Then it's a fact. It's a fact. And if we'll just stay after it, we'll get there. In your personal life. In your spiritual life. In the church life. Thank you Father. Thank you Father. Luke 10. The Lord is giving instructions to his disciples. And in verse 3. He said go your ways. Behold I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse. Nor scrip. Nor shoes. And salute no man by the way. Salute no man by the way. What does that mean? Yeah, some say don't greet anybody. Well, why would he say that? Yeah, let me read some other translations to you. One said, the New Living says, don't stop to greet anyone on the road. The message translation says, don't loiter and make small talk with everyone you meet along the way. Somebody say, don't loiter and make small talk. Why would he say that? Now, there are other times the word salute in the Old English from the Greek, it means to greet. It also means to hug, to embrace, high Hug, how you doing, what's going on, (laughs) yeah, that's a salute, it's not like hee-haw, salute, (laughs) no, you greet, you speak, you shake hands, you hug, you talk, and the Lord said don't do it, now he didn't say never do it. He said, I'm sending you to do something. And while I'm sending you to do this, don't do that. Now, you can read places like Romans 16. And Paul, by the Spirit of God, told him to salute like 25 different people. Salute so-and-so. And salute. And it's the same word. He's talking about 
say hi, hug them, talk to them for me. So there's a time to salute and there's a time not to. An example of this in the Old Testament is when we just got through reading this not many days ago about how that the woman came that whose son had died and the prophet sent his servant with his staff and said, go straight to the house. He said, don't salute anybody. What does that mean? Don't stop and talk. Yeah, but what if people are offended when they wave and I don't even wave back? Or when they say, hey, you got a minute, let me talk to you. And you say, no, I can't. Because people do get offended. If you don't practice all of the normal niceties. But because of this, all kinds of time and energies are being wasted. Because you can't function at your best when you're letting your energies be diverted through all these distractions. In working in spiritual ministry with around people like Brother Hagin and others. I would see at certain times of the day, if they got a night service, you're not to call them. You're not to bother them. And they don't want a bunch of stuff talked on the way to the service. Why? Because all this contact, all all these trivial things drains you and delays you. There's a principle here we need to put in practice in our life. Let me read another translation. The uh, Jerusalem Bible said, don't stop to smooth with people on the road. Smooth. What is smoothing? Well, I looked it up. It means to talk idly and casually in a friendly way. I wish I could express to you, maybe you already know, how dearly people hold on to this. And how quickly they'll get upset with you if you don't act like you want to do it. I've had people call me before on the phone. And I'm in the middle of stuff. And I'm focused on things. And I don't mind saying hi and talking for a minute. But they want to talk. Huh? About how they changed the oil in their car. And the grass needs cutting. And they want to talk about, you know, how the... Uh... <laughs> well, sometimes you just need to say, well, I, I can't talk about that, right? I need to go. Or not even answer the phone. But some people get offended about this. And I'm not talking about me now. I'm talking about you. Do you need to be the same way that when you're on a job and you got something that you got to do, right? It is not time to stand around and chat and smooth and talk about the weather and, and the grass and your hairspray and How much of our life is being spent up with this? Now there's times when it's okay to take the time and to do that. And it's fine. 
But there are other times when you need to be like these. Jesus said, here, I'm sending you to do something, and I want you to go, and I'm anointing you to do this. Don't talk to anybody on the way. Don't greet anybody. Don't stop and let them greet you. You stay focused. I wonder if he ever would have us do that and be diligent and stay focused. Can you say yes? The NCV says, don't waste time talking with people on the road. Refrain from saluting and wishing people well along the road. No time for trivial talk. Abraham's servant in Genesis 24, when he was going, Abraham sent him, you know, to find a wife for his son. And he saw it was going good. They said, well, just stay a little while with it. He said, no, hinder me not. The Lord's prospered my way. Let me go. I got to go. Somebody say, hinder me not. not. I got to go. You know, when David showed up at one particular place, he said, the business of the king required haste. Just not time to talk, not time to smooth. It's time to be diligent and to stay after it and to stay focused. And you know, sometimes people get so upset about some of these things. But listen, we're not just down here on the earth for vacation. Soon and very soon, we're going to all be in heaven. We'll all be in glory. And I reckon we could enjoy each other's company for long periods of time and get caught up on anything and everything that we didn't get to do down here. It's not like it's lost forever. We'll get to do it. And much better. And much more and much beyond. But right here and now, we got work to do. I said, we got work to do. And we need to be in the field and we need to be after it. And we don't need to just waste all our time in nothing stuff. Somebody say yes. Yes. Stand on your feet, please. Say it out loud. Don't delay me. Don't hold me up. I'm here on kingdom business. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.